Hey, Willow family, I am so excited to be back with you again. Even though we're scattered, we are scattered together for the glory of God. And I'm telling you, I'm seeing God's hand move even in the midst of this. And we're celebrating. We got a new pastor, Pastor Dave. I'm so excited. Um, I can't wait to see how God uses him in a major way, along with the Willow team, to continue to advance the mission and the vision of this great church. I have had a ball preaching with y'all, and it's been so good to be with you guys during this interim time. So I'm excited for Dave, the new guy coming on. God's hand is on his life, and I can't wait to see what God does. I hope you're praying for him. Hope you're praying for one another, and I hope you're praying for me as I prepare to open up God's word. Meet me in the book of Mark, uh, the book of Mark chapter five, uh, as we want to talk about standing strong on the truth of God's word, standing strong on the truth of God's word, Mark chapter five. Uh, I'm going to begin reading at verse 21, Mark chapter five, verse 21. Hear these words of our father. Uh, When Jesus had gone across over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Uh, A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came uh, up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people, you see the people crowding against you, uh, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. While Jesus was speaking, still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Uh, He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why is all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithe kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old 
At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict instructions not to let anyone know about this and to tell them to give her something to eat. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for our ability to gather together in our homes and different spaces in our cars, some are listening, some are watching, Father, but we're all centered around one thing, and that is your word. So, Father, would you tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly? Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's that, to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Jairus was a synagogue leader. Um, he had influence. Um, he, he, was, he was looked upon for leadership and guidance there at the synagogue. He was a popular guy. People would have known who he was. People would have known his leadership and his influence. He would have been used to people serving him. Uh, but Jairus is in a crisis. He hears Jesus is round, so he comes and he throws himself at Jesus' feet and he says, Master, my little girl is sick. Come to my house, please, and bring healing to my little girl. Jesus obliges. He follows him to his house. A large crowd is going there to Jairus' house, and that's when it happens. That's when this woman comes with an issue of blood, um, and she had been sick for 12 years. Uh, doctors had tried to help her, had done all they could do, but she, she had no help available to her. She was sick, and she too heard that Jesus was passing by her neighborhood, so she thought to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. So she sneaks through the crowd, unclean. She's breaking the law, breaking the rules. She should not be in public touching other people, but she's pressing through the crowd. And she just says, I don't need him to stop. I don't need him to talk to me. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I would be made whole. They're walking with Jairus and all of a sudden Jesus stops. This woman touches him. And he says, I felt virtue leave my body. And he says, who touched me? And his disciples say, Jesus, it's, it's thousands of people. It's all these people around you. What do you mean who touched you? There's so many people around here. Anybody can touch you. He says, no, 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 no. Just because you're around me doesn't mean you're touching me. I've heard virtue leave my body. Somebody touched me. Parenthetically, I don't have time to make this point, but, but, but if I had time, I'd talk about there are a lot of people around Jesus, but everybody who's around Jesus ain't touching Jesus. He wanted to know who touched me. I, I don't have time to preach about that. But if I had if I had extra time, I'd talk about how it's not good enough just to be orbiting around Jesus, just to be around him and just to, to, to know things about him. No, 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 no. There's a difference between being around him and actually touching, pulling on the virtue. Who touched me? I don't have time to talk about that part. But, but he says, who touched me? And then Jesus stops, turns around and engages this woman. Here is where the problem is. Here, here's the problem. Here's the problem. 
Most times in this passage, we take the camera lens, we take it off of Jairus, we put it on this woman, and we zoom in on this encounter with Jesus and this woman with the issue of blood. But before we take the camera, zoom in on this woman, I want to zoom the camera lens back out and let's zoom in and get a real close, tight face shot on Jairus. On Jairus. See, Jairus is in a crisis. Jairus is in a panic. And he just scored the greatest physician in the history of the world to come to his house to help his sick daughter. He's feeling encouraged. He's feeling hopeful. Jesus is coming to his house, but I'm sure he still feels the urgency. I'm sure he feels still the still feels the anxiety. I'm sure he he feels a sense of anxiousness and said, "We got to get Jesus to my house. We got to get Jesus. My daughter's sick. We got to get him there." And just when he got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior, the Messiah coming to his house, he's coming to save the day. He's got their own, their way, they're walking and all of a sudden Jesus stops. Everybody talks about the woman at this point, but can we talk about Jairus? If I was Jairus, I'd be like, all right, Jesus coming to my house, Jesus coming to, Jesus, where'd you, Jesus, where'd you go? What And all the while Jesus is engaging with this woman, Jairus is sitting there. Can we talk about the times when you need Jesus to show up and you find yourself Can, can we talk about, I know, I know at church and we're supposed to be encouraging, we're supposed to talk about all the times that Jesus showed up on just in the nick of time, just on time. Jesus was right there. I needed him on Monday and he was there on Monday. But yeah, can we just talk about, can we keep it real? Can we be honest? Can we talk about the times when I needed him on Monday and it's, it's Wednesday? I'm telling you, while we celebrate this woman and we celebrate her healing and we celebrate her deliverance, I bet you Jairus wasn't celebrating it. He was like, Jesus, hurry up. I'm in a crisis and I need you to move now. I'm in a crisis and I need you to come to my daughter's house now. And to add insult to injury while he was waiting, while Jesus was distracted with this other woman, with this thing going on over here that he can't even see. Jairus can't even see. All he knows, all he can see is the clock. Have you ever been waiting on Jesus and you can't see him working in any other area? All you can see is the clock. Sometimes Jesus is working right next to you, doing something miraculous. You can't even see it because you're blinded by the clock. You're blinded by your timeline. You're blinded by your urgency because it's a crisis to you. And because your crisis is so big, it's impossible for you to see Christ being the Messiah in the midst of your crisis. Oh, come on, Willow. I'm preaching already. Don't wait. Don't wait. I'm already preaching. Come on. Let me get some help in here. Jairus couldn't see Christ working because all he could see was the clock of his crisis. Anybody blinded by the crisis clock? How long? How long am I going to have to wait? How long am I going to have to shelter in place? How long are we going to have to wear a mask? How long are we going to quarantine? What, what do I do? Anybody looking at the crisis clock instead of looking at Christ in the midst of the crisis? He's looking at him and he's saying, come on, Jesus. And listen, to add insult to injury, 
They come from his house and said, Jairus. Listen to what they say. Don't even bother Jesus. Because your little girl has already died. Come on back to the house and let's start the memorial. You ever been waiting on God and it gets worse before it gets better? You ever been in a season where you're waiting on God and you're depending on God and you're you're trying to trust God and believe God and trying to stand on his truth, stand on his word, but it actually gets goes from bad to worse instead of bad to better? You got to know in this moment, his whole world is crumbling. He's a leader. He's a synagogue and he synagogue leader and his whole world is crumbling. And in that moment, he's got two options. He can go home on the word of her death, but I love it. Jesus, just before Jairus lost it, just before he fell to pieces in sadness, Jesus looks at him and said, Jairus, I told you, she ain't dead. She's just asleep. Don't give up. Just believe. God gives him a word. Don't give up. Just believe. And here's the tension. They come with the fact she's dead. But then Jesus gives him the truth. She's sleep. What do you do when the facts and the truth don't match? What do you hold on to? I'm telling you, I want to encourage you today. You stand on the truth. You stand on the truth. When the things of this world get rough and when the facts and the realities of this world begin to crumble right in front of your very eyes, you stand on the truth. You stand on the word of God. Jesus gave him a word. And in spite, despite all of the bad news that he saw, he could see the word of God. He said, just believe. Jairus grabbed that belief. He grabbed that belief. I want to encourage you. There are three things that we learn from Jairus to help us stand in truth in times of crisis. Three things that he does that, that, that would help us. Three things we need to consider as we seek to stand on the truth of God's word in the midst of crisis. Number one, consider your posture. Consider your posture. Jairus walked in humility. Jairus was a leader. He was a synagogue leader. He could have come to Jesus as if he was some, some kind of equal. He could have come to him, but no. The reason why Jairus came in a posture of humility. Consider your posture. He came in a posture of humility because his world had crumbled. It's something about a crisis to let you know what really matters. It's something about devastation that shows you what's really valuable in your house and what's really not. The things that were valuable to Jairus three days ago ain't valuable, but no more. The things, his credibility, his, his, his stock, his influence, his leadership, his, his power, none of that stuff mattered anymore because he was in a crisis. I'm telling you, it's something about a crisis that'll help focus your eyes to see what's important and what's not important, what's valuable and what's not valuable. Some of us in this crisis, our eyes are opening because the things that we've looked to are crumbling down. Some of us, we look to our economic status and that's crumbling down. Some of us looked at our ability to control our calendar and to travel. It's crumbled down. Some of us have looked at our ability to stay, to stay safe and to be healthy and to recognize that there's a virus that could infect you, that could get you. It's crumbled down. 
God is just saying, Something about your posture in this season that's so important. Crisis will bring about a posture that'll position you in the presence of God. Woo, let me say that again. That was good. Crisis will put you in a posture that will position you in the presence of God. Y'all, have you changed your posture yet? Or are you still looking at the things of this world? Have Have you refocused your eyes to decide what's valuable and what's not? Do you know what's priority? If you're confused about what the priority is, let me just help you. The priority is God. I shall have no other God before me. It's God. You know what your goal is for 2020? God. God is the goal, period. He is the goal. God is the goal. Nothing else matters because if you get everything else but don't get God, y'all, you didn't miss the whole thing. What profit a man or woman to gain the whole world but still lose your soul? You got to get God in his presence So that in this season. So that means you got to posture your heart, posture your soul so that you might rest, rule, and abide in the presence of God. So that the presence of God might rest, rule, and abide over you. You got to rest and abide in his presence. Rest and abide in his rule. Have you changed your posture? Jairus has said, yo, I ain't got time for pleasantries. I ain't got time to be, I'm in a crisis. Jesus, I need you. And he kneeled at his feet. Said, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. Some of you, you need to change your posture and you need to say, Jesus, I need you to come to my house. I need you to come to my house. We're in a crisis and I need you, Jesus, to come to my house. And you need to change your posture. You're not an equal with God. Humbly bowed before your God. Jairus humbly bowed before him and said, come to my house. Jesus comes. And then they go. The second thing I need you to consider, not just your posture, but consider God's promise. Consider God's promise. There's a moment when doubt seems so loud, seems so real, when the volume of fear is so high, you almost can't hear the promise of God. But the grace in this story is that Jesus looks at Jairus and has, at, his, at the moment where his faith would have been the lowest, Jesus looks at him and says, just believe. Only believe. Some of you, you got bad news. I'm telling you, Jesus says, only believe. My promise is still good. Some of you are discouraged right now. Jesus is looking at you saying, only believe. I've, I'm not going to leave you, no, for a second. Only believe. Hold on to the promise. Hold on to the promise. This woman has not has not stolen your promise that I gave. The promise I gave you is still the promise I gave you. Consider my promise. Stand on the truth of my word. Don't you walk in fear. Don't you stand in doubt. You stand on the truth. I know your whole world is crumbling. I know you feel like there's a panic. I know you're in the midst of Christ, but you stand on the truth of my word. Now ain't the time for giving up. Now ain't the time for giving in. Stand on my truth. Consider the promise. You postured yourself. You bowed in my presence. Don't you give up on me now. Don't you give up on me now. Stand on the promise of his word. I love to tell this story all the time. Um, when I was in, uh, when I was in uh, college, my uh, professor, Dr. Bobby G. Cooper, he was my music teacher, um, we used to go on tour with the Jubilee Singers and we used to sing all across the country. And when I graduated, he'd invite me back to come back and sing with the Jubilee Singers. Well, I wasn't a student anymore. And he said, Albert, I'll make a, I'll make a deal with you. I'll, I'll buy you a suit 
because uh, he knew I like to shop and I like to go to back rack. I like to go. You you probably even heard this story before. I, I love I love shopping with Doc and he buy me a suit to say thank you. Um, so uh, I never forget we were at this store back rack. It's popular store back in the day. And um, he bought me the suit. He got the suit. He gave the lady the credit card. But the credit card. She said, excuse me, sir, um, your card uh, was denied. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this is so embarrassing. Oh, my goodness. Not Dr. Cooper, his card, my card. When it, if it if it get denied, that ain't a, that ain't a big deal. That's just Tuesday. But Dr. Cooper, Dr. Cooper's card. This was a big deal. I'm so embarrassed for him. But he looks at me with all the confidence in the world. And he looks at the woman with all the confidence in the world and says, try it again. And I'm thinking, Dr. Cooper, you don't tell her to try the same card again. You pull out another card and then you pray over that card. And you say, can you put some on this card? Can I got some cash? And can I write you a check? And I, you know what I mean? You got you piece that thing together. Sometimes you got to piece together a receipt. Come on in here, somebody. Anybody? I got any witnesses out there? So you piece together that receipt. And he, um, he said, um, try it again. So he tries it again. And then she interrupts us. So he just talking to me like ain't nothing happened. I'm talking to him. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm not listening to nothing he's saying. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I ain't going to get my suit today. She comes back. She says, sorry for the inconvenience. Sorry for the delay. Um, your card was approved. And as if he expected her to say that, he looked at her and said, thank you, with all the confidence in the world. So we walking out, and I'm thinking, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, I'm going to get my suit today, I'm going to get my suit today. We get to the door, he stops, my name is Albert, but he called me Bert for short, but he had a southern draw on it. So he looked at me, we get to the door, we, he ain't said nothing about what happened at all. We get to the door, he stops me, he says, Bert? I said, yeah, doc. He says, I may have been delayed, but I ain't never been denied. And walked out the store. Yo, uh, if you get it early, I won't have to preach as long. I'm telling you, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of hard times, stand on the truth of God's word. You may be delayed, but you have not been denied. God is still on the throne. God is going to bring you through this. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Consider the promise of God. Stand on his promise. Stand in his truth. You may be delayed in this crisis, but you have not been denied. God is still well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Woo, I'm getting happy in my house. Lord, have mercy. I hope you're getting happy in your house because Jesus is coming to your house. He's going to make good on his promise. He's going to make good on his promise. Consider your posture. Consider his promise. And then third and finally, consider your people. Consider your people. They get to Jairus's house. And it's a bunch of people there, and the, the funeral procession has started. The, the, the mourning, and there's all, there's all this commotion. And Jesus comes in and announces and says, why all the commotion? She is not dead. She is yet but asleep. And watch this. They laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus' word. I love it. The next phrase says, and when he put them all out. Jesus kicked everybody out the house. He put everybody, he was like, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. Get out, get out, get out. He kicked everybody out. I need you to consider your people because sometimes in the midst of crisis, you need people that are walking with you that can believe God with you. Ooh, I'm going to say that again. Sometimes in the midst of crisis, you need people walking with you that can believe God with you. 
there's something significant about having spiritual friends, friends that can push you to faith, that can push you to trust, that can push you to hope when everything in you wants to gravitate towards devastation, towards fear, towards grief. You need people that can push you to grieve in the spirit of God, push you to be sad in the presence and the glory of God. Mourning and hope can live together. They make great roommates. You need friends that can push you to the hope and the promise of God. Jesus said, only people going in this room are folks that believe in me. There are some rooms you need friends that can believe God with you. You need friends that can do more than watch the game with you, more than have a drink with you. You need friends that can push you to the glory and the presence of God. Because when crisis hits, you need Christ-centered friendships. You need Christ-centered friendships. Friends, consider your posture. Consider the promise of God and consider the people in your life in this season. Make sure you're investing in godly, God-centered relationships. Well, you know how the story ends. Jesus comes in and he raises this little girl from the dead. Can you imagine Jairus? Can you imagine Jairus' hope? Can you imagine how excited he was that he didn't, in the midst of crisis, hold on to the facts, but he held on to the truth? Can I just tell you, Bishop Omar always reminds me, Albert, you better remember the difference between the facts and the truth. The the facts and the truth are two different things. Some of you are faced with some facts, but I want to encourage you, hold on to the truth. The fact is you may be having a hard time and you may be overwhelmed, but the truth is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The fact may be you feel overwhelmed and you feel like the the enemy has got a target on your back, but the truth is no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The fact is you may be tired and weary and want to throw in the towel, but the truth is they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings with eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on. The fact is I cried myself to sleep last night. Oh, but the truth is weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The fact is I'm tired and I can't praise the Lord, but the truth is I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, Willow. The fact may be we've been in a hard season and a crisis and coronavirus is all over and we're walking in fear and walking in devastation and loss, but the truth is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings is on the throne. He has all power in his hands. He's not panicked. He's not a afraid. He's not alarmed. So you shouldn't be because your God is on the throne and we're going to stand in his truth and we're going to hold on, not to the facts, but to his word for his glory. Amen.